You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. Broadcasting live across Down Patrick and beyond. You're listening to your local station. This is FM 105. Imagination Bluey Stone from 1985. Opening the show up tonight here on FM 105. It's Down Community Radio. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for lending me your ears. Tonight's show, I'll be chatting with a guy who has lots of, uh, the said imagination. Yeah, lots of it. Tonight, I'll be heading over to Guelph in Ontario in Canada to talk to author Stephen Briggs, who originally hails from Portadown, County Armagh. What's that? Half an hour drive from here? Stephen is due to release his second book titled Lies Lead to Death and that's the follow-up to his first book Family of Killers, Memoirs of an Assassin all thrilling stuff Stephen was on the show in February last and he is absolutely great crack uh, love that. Love having him back we will learn all about his new book writing ventures and uh, his chance meeting with a retired military man who used to work in the Pentagon and assists Stephen in the background research or some of the background research of his book all fantastic stuff. If that were not enough, well, we'll be joined by the very talented Castle Welland studio players who are back again this week in episode four of Ice Cubes and Lettuce. It's the pot noodle or me. Wonder what that's about. It's the pot noodle or me. Hmm. Written by Mark Asante. And what will they get up to this week? So do stay tuned, folks. Now, I'm going to welcome onto the show author Stephen Briggs. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. I don't know whether you can remember 16th of February. As I was saying, that's probably about five paychecks ago for some people in this world and a lot more for others who are paid weekly. But it's hard to believe the year is flying by. But on the 16th of February, I went across to Guelph in Ontario and I spoke to Stephen Briggs. Stephen W. Briggs. Stephen W. Briggs, welcome to the programme. Hello, thank you again. <laughs> Stephen, I don't know where, do you get Stevie? I get Chris. I get Christopher if I'm in trouble, and Chris for anybody when I'm okay. Do you get Stephen? Anytime, anytime my mom called me, if it was, it was always Stephen. My wife always calls me Stephen. Most of my friends call me Briggsy. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen, you're a newly published author, or you were certainly in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I now believe that you're, you're publishing the second book. Uh, so well done you. And, and there are people out there going, why is he, you know, local community radio in Guelph, Ontario? But of course, you once were local, Stephen, isn't that right? I was. I was born in Portadown, yeah. um, lived there till I was six, and then uh, we, we moved over here to Canada. Um, so yeah, I, I still consider it home, still still miss it. And uh, I have a, all my family, a lot of most of my family still over there um, in the Portadown, Lurgan area. Some have obviously moved to England and stuff as well, but yeah, I still got a lot of aunts and uncles in, in that area of, of the country, and, and hopefully yeah. one day I can get back there. It's been a few years since we've been home, and I'd like to get home because a lot of my book is written in that area. It'd be nice to yeah, see of some of the things instead of just the Google or talking to uh, my aunt, my Uncle David has helped me out greatly with doing a little research here and there for me just to make sure my landmarks are right and stuff. I know, I know you're hankering to get back here and all, you know, you live in lovely Guelph, Ontario, you know, where the sun's splitting the trees. Well, our summer this year was on a Wednesday, I think we had 27 degrees. That was the highest probably ever here, Stephen. So you might be so I did miss it. <laughs> well, maybe I'll shoot for next always, summer. <laughs> doesn't always shine here. You know, we, we take photographs of the sun and frame them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Like, I remember the, there was a few times we would go home in like July or whatever for vacation and. And you would get two or three really nice days and then everything else would be like in the teens and stuff. And you're going like, 
what is this? This is supposed yeah. to be summertime, right? Um, so yeah, I do. Re- I do remember that the, the you know going up to like uh, was it called Helen's Bay or yeah, yes, I think it's right. called yes, Helen, Helen Bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. My um uncle David, he had a he had a caravan there. I guess it was his in laws or whatever. And we'd go up there, and it was always hit or miss on the weather, right? Yeah, that's, that's you might be out kicking the ball around for half an hour, then back into the caravan because <laughs> the rains were coming. Um, you know, yeah. or going to Bangor and just sitting on the. I remember sitting along the wall and stuff, but you know, with an umbrella over my head. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Whereas here, the weather is just grossly hot and humid. Yeah. Um, it is nice, but it's not nice to to work in or, I don't know, maybe we're spoiled. But, you know, but of once course you get into here. August, you do get a little bit of the uh, I'm ready for fall kind of yeah, attitude. Yeah. And the way your houses sometimes are designed, you have the basement situation over there where we don't do that here. And that yeah. certainly helps. It's like cool in the summer and hotter in the winter, isn't it? Isn't that how that works? Yeah, like the, you, the basements are always nice in the summer, right? Like you know we have air conditioning in the house so so it kind of keeps it balanced but even upstairs it's always hotter yeah um in the basement i remember as a kid like we never had air conditioning so you we you know we all just kind of slept on the floor or whatever down in the basement whereas it was livable um yeah 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 yeah. because like you know when it feels like 38 it just that humidity does not come out overnight kind of thing right (laughs) so you were talking about northern ireland there northern ireland was obviously or part of it was the, the the backdrop for your first novel, Family of Killers, uh, Memoirs Correct. of an Assassin, which is a scary title in itself. But of course, you, you involved uh, a little chap called David, age seven, and you can read all about that and how his father freelanced for British intelligence. And then the, story, mm-hmm. the plot thickened <laughs> and then he wings his way over to Guelph and Ontario. So you very cleverly brought in a place where you came from and had a lot of yep. knowledge of with a place that you have a lot of knowledge of. How, how did the first novel go then? How did things work? Things went really well. Um, sales are, are doing well for me. Um, publisher was quite happy with with the numbers so far. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm quite impressed with it. Uh, but getting getting some good reviews. It's it's been an experience to say the least, um, for sure. Because you don't know what to expect. That was my first book, and like we talked about in the, the previous recording, it all came so quick for me and stuff. It was one of those things where. I didn't know what to expect. A, a lot of authors helped me out with giving me advice on, on doing some how to do promotion and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the first book came along and you kind of get settled into that. And next thing you know, boom, this, here we are, right? Tomorrow, mm. the, the next book's coming out. It's like released you know, tomorrow, of course, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. It, it's, it, give us the title of the book. What, what, what's the new book called? Uh, Lies Leads to Death. So same characters, same family. They're back at it. Um, the first book was kind of that overview from 1977 to the, you know, 2012, this one kind of pinpoints, I, I brought it back and, and instead of being a broad overview of a story, it's, it pinpoints about a year, right. Whenever the, um, the Soviet union fell fall of the wall. Mm-hmm. So, 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 uh, the book starts off right off the bat. It's, it's, it's just, the book starts just going at it. Um, David's in the bottom of a boat. He's been kidnapped by an old Russian ally of his grandfather's, and uh, with with the with the Soviet Union fallen and the new Russian uh, government and the new way of doing things, um, the way I kind of set it up is everything in Russia is for sale. So you've got this new Russian mob coming in. They're 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 ex-military. They're taking all the old military equipment and they're selling it around the world. Hmm. And one of the best pieces of military equipment is David the Assassin. And uh, so so the old the old regime, the old, the old, uh, the old Soviet 
a mob kind of thing, uh, KGB regime. They're trying to make nice with the new ones. So the best thing to do is give them a gift and the gift is, is going to be David. Um, so from there, then the family has to, to rescue them. Um, there's a whole battlement between the old, the new and, and, and the family. And uh, yeah, the, the storyline progresses from there um, with the backdrop of Guelph, obviously the plumbing shop with the issues of, of shipping weapons from Porter down out into the world. And then you've got, you've got the family just dealing with this new Russian uh, mob coming in and trying to take over Southern Ontario. Wow. It's a little, gets a little violent. There is a few people dying here and there. Oh dear. Um, a, few, <laughs> a few things happening, but um, yeah. at the end, yeah, like it, it kind of all comes together. And then on top of that, you've got, you've got the CIA trying to clean up some of the dirty agents that have been dealing with the old Russians and then trying to work with the new. So you've got, you've got all these groups kind of fighting amongst each other, trying to, to be the Supreme group at the end of the day. Um, and hopefully if you read the book, hopefully the, uh, if there is good guys in this book, then hopefully what you think is the good guys will come out and, and win at the end. <laughs> David, this is all fantasy world. This doesn't happen in the real world, of course, does it? <laughs> I don't know these days. <laughs> the less says it the better. Be, it seems, yeah, like it yeah, seems to wow. be uh, some of the stuff you read in the news, you wonder about some of these yeah. people, how, how they're dying and stuff. And it starts to make you wonder, am I writing fiction or nonfiction? Yeah, isn't that really interesting? So what films did you watch growing up? How did you get involved in all that stuff? You know what? What? What do you read? Even, um, I, 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 growing up, I read a lot of Stephen King. Um, I just enjoy picking up any kind of thriller. Right now, I'm reading uh, James Rowland, Kingdom of the Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that. As for movies, I love my Rambo's. I love my Schwarzeneggers. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then obviously my comedies like crazy i think i think my favorites were always comedies right okay. um yeah. i don't know it sounds strange because you know you, you grew up in it and, and my parents my but it still kind of makes me think back to some of the the stories that my uncle and my dad would tell when they were sitting like if my uncle came out to visit you know him and my dad would start talking and they'd talk about like the orange men and all that. So, so I'd hear all these stories and yeah. I didn't know if any of them were real or not. Right. Yeah. But like you would hear these <laughs> funny little stories that they yeah. would tell and they kind of always stuck with me. I always enjoy like anytime they started talking about back home and growing up, what it was like being teenagers, like in the sixties and the late fifties, I guess, even you started, you know, and then growing up in the troubles. And, and mm-hmm. like I said, I can remember going home and my dad checking under the car for who knows what, but he seemed to think he was checking for something, right, you know, right, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I can remember going to, uh, the one, the one football final and it was, it was Porter down versus, I think it was a Belfast team, but it was definitely yeah. like a Catholic versus Protestant game. All right. Okay. Yes. Yes. And you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, like everyone was kind of herded in from opposite sides of the stadium and there was yeah. this least presence for like a kilometer out past the, to keep everyone separated and stuff. Right. And yeah, stuff like that. You just remember. It's, and, you yeah. know, yeah, I don't know. And then my, my, my aunt and uncle, every time they came over, they'd always bring me these books and they would have like a, you didn't get them over here as much when I was growing up, but they'd have the MI6 kind of, you know, spin to them and, and, you know, Mm-hmm. I remember there was a couple books. I, I can't. I don't know where they are now, but they were written about the troubles and stuff. So that stuff just kind of stuck. Yes. With okay. Me. So it just you know. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was reading Nina Blyton and the Secret Seven. I didn't see any of that in it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I get it. So that's your influence, of course. Now I, yeah. I read something online that and some of your thanks to the people who've been 
not so much credited by name, but it was an interesting thanks to the people who listened to your many ideas how to kill characters with pharmaceutical cocktails. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two medical advisors, retired military men from down south, uh, and they helped ensure that lies leaked to death was accurate and represented the U.S. Navy uh properly wow yeah so i'm not going to ask so, you this context or so how did you how does that fall into place so it's funny we go me and my wife go to myrtle beach once or twice a year um i always bring my bike down go for bike rides and stuff yeah and probably five years ago i bumped into this gentleman elderly gentleman at a stop sign and we got talking and we just kind of hit it off and he was ex-army worked in the pentagon career career army guy right he fought in vietnam you know, right through the eighties mm-hmm. and retired mm-hmm. like in, in 2002 or whatever. Um, so we would always talk, right. And, and just kept in touch. And every time I go to Myrtle beach, we always try to get a couple rides in together. So when I was working on this, David being kidnapped in the ship, it was happening in the Caribbean sea. And I wanted to make it as real. I want, I want to, and anytime, anytime we try to do the military stuff, I really, I really respect the military enough that I want to make sure I get it right kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. so I reached out to him. I just said, Hey, you know, I know you were in Pentagon and stuff. Any chance you know any Navy guys? So he sent me three admirals, <laughs> three freaking admirals. <laughs> so the one admiral, the crazy thing is, so this all takes place in 1991, 92 kind of yes. thing in the Caribbean yes. sea. And the one admiral was actually running the fleet while he wasn't, so more or less the way it worked was they would do six months at the, you know, during the Gulf War kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. they, they, you know, in their off time, they did like kind of drug runs and, and you know, human trafficking runs through the Caribbean, right? Okay. And he was actually running the fleet at the time. So he was able to give me exactly more or less, if you were doing it on this day, this is, the, this is what we would do kind of thing. So he broke it down saying, this is, the, this is the ship we would use. This is the legal way of entering a boat that's not an American boat in, in, in international waters. So he actually gave me detail by detail, and then he reviewed it for me and said, well, they wouldn't say this, they would say this. It may be, you know, I made it real formal, a radio call and stuff. He goes, it wouldn't probably be that formal, so you could kind of relax a little bit. Um, he says, if we were in a war zone, it'd be real formal, but here it wouldn't be as formal. Um, it involved, you, you had to have a Coast Guard member board a ship. You can't just have the Navy board a ship. So they always had a Coast Guard legal uh, member there. And that's all stuff I wouldn't have had in the book without that contact. So it was really neat to think that just a chance meeting at a stop sign five, six wow. years ago in Myrtle Beach turned into to research for me. And then my one buddy, his wife's a nurse. So any of the pharmaceutical stuff, I'd, I would shoot her a text going, hey, if I was to kill a guy like this here and I just need to jab a knife or a needle into his thigh, what, what, what would I use kind of thing? And then she would shoot me back a, a text message saying, well, you can use this, but you need this many CCs of it. And how big's the guy? And so it was kind of nice to have that little bit of uh, medical information too. Um, oh, now my son's dating a nurse, so she's able to give me some of the information. Oh, I too, don't know but... what legalities we're touching on here. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny because I, we were having a con- we were all out for supper one night and we were having the conversation at the, ta- at the table. And I was talking about killing somebody and, you know, sneak, like one of the chapters is sneaking in and killing a person in their bed kind of thing. Right. And I was, I was saying to her, okay, so like, if I got in there, like, what if, what if, is there a chance that we could break the needle? What would happen in all this? Right. Yeah. If I broke the needle, what could I like, could I, you know, what, what else could be done, you know? And the people one table over from us, I swear they were calling the cops as they were. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is purely for research. <laughs> exactly, because I don't actually look like the nicest kind of person with my yes. head shaved and all that anyway. So it was me and my buddy, and he's got his head shaved with our two wives, and yes. we're sitting there having this conversation, and they're oh, looking at us unreal. going, these guys, are, these guys must be mobsters. That's so unreal. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I okay. had to then stress that it was for the book kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's, okay. but they, the, the, those, those, those people, they were really big help in the yes. second book. Yes. Yeah. Um, just making sure it was accurate. Like, like I said, the Navy one, I really wanted to make sure. And I didn't, it was just, like I said, it's funny how things work in life, right? Like, you know, I take my bike down to Myrtle beach. I bump into a guy that, that we, and I'm not most, I'm not very sociable. So I usually don't talk to people when I'm on my bike and stuff, but by chance me and him got hit it off. And, you know, I think he's like almost, I think he's 76 or something now. Right. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go down, like we're heading down there shortly and, and I'll go for a bike ride with him and stuff. And then we'll, you know, have a good time talking, but I've never thought that he would have been the guy that opened the door to meet the Admiral that was actually running the fleet while yep. this book would have been you know for the time that, so that's incredible it's just, isn't it's crazy it? how the, yeah that's incredible yeah. that's incredible so the, the the new book then have you left it open to go to a third book then so the new book yes so lies leads to death i left a big a big cliffhanger right at the end of it um third book i am i'm i would i'm, I'm starting my third review of the third book now and it picks up pretty much like it, it, it'll be, I think there's maybe about a month's timeline difference between the end of the second book and the beginning of the third, but it picks up right there. And the action just keeps rolling through the third book uh, with, with more issues and stuff uh, a lot. Yeah. There, and once again, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I this one, I thought I would probably base more in Canada and stuff, but it's still takes off and poured it down and we've got things happening ported out at the door that Ireland that, you know, <laughs> causes issues everywhere else too. But so the third books, the third books well on its way. It'll be, it, it'll get released next year. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a kind of a continuation. Obviously the second book's put away. It's nice, nice and neatly tucked away with the storyline and stuff. But then that last chapter, I just kind of throw a couple things on that, that allow you to allow me to pick up and continue with the third book. Yeah. The, the, the continuity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, I shouldn't probably ask this, but are you always thinking ahead then, you know, or do you think maybe the fourth one will just change totally? You know, what, what way do authors think? I kind of got a plan to like, I've got, I got a notebook with all kinds of ideas in it. So I've probably got another four or five ideas for storylines. I got real good. I got a good one for the fourth one of, uh, of of family of killers, but I've also got three or four that are nothing to do with family of killers at all, kind of on their own. One might be a bit of a series as well. So I I was sitting the one day and I just started writing. I, I I was going to start writing the fourth family of killers. I thought, "Mm, Mm -hmm. let's take this one and see where it goes. So I actually got it complete now too. So the first draft of it's done. So I've been busy since last time we talked, I've got too much, two books pretty much wrapped up. Um, So the fourth one is, yeah, it's, it's still a crime thriller, but it's, it's got more to one and it takes place. It takes place. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't write about places in Canada, but this one takes place in England. For some reason, all my care, it starts, once again, it starts off in Canada. Um, But it involves, uh, there's a little bit of a, a sci-fi supernatural kind of twist to it. 
So I'm throwing some crop circle stuff in there. So I figured, you know, where, where's crop circles happen the most over in England. So I got to get my character into England for the crop circle. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I've been doing a bunch of research about, uh, Manchester and around that area, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, so the fourth book, hopefully it might get released by the end of next year. We'll see, we'll see how oh. much editing it takes on the third yeah, book yeah. to kind of get it to the publisher before yeah. I can jump on the next one. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's totally separate from family killers. It's a lot, a lot less killing, a lot more tame, but more of a crime thriller that, uh, with a, like I said, with a bit of a supernatural twist to it. Brilliant. Wow. That's wow. <laughs> where does it end? Uh, you know, well, that's how, the thing, how, right? Like, how, how do you fit in your day job then? Oh, don't tell my boss about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, you, there must be a discipline there. And, and yes, you know, you speak to authors and, and sometimes they have, is it word block or they just can't, you know, just some morning you get up and you go, I can't do it this morning. You know, but you must have some sort of discipline. You get up in the mornings, whatever your routine is, you, you, you're sort of forcing yourself to, to produce more words in a certain time are you or how, how, yeah that... i try to i try to knock a thousand words off a day so Whoa. most most of my days start off at 4 30 i get up 4 30 in the morning come down here plant myself at my desk um no coffee no nothing put my headphones in i start every writing session starts with the same song the same artist um and i've got like a it's about a 500 word compilation or sorry 500 uh, song compilation of of music and stuff yeah and yeah. like i said i started started with the same song but then it goes random after that yeah i honestly if you ask me what song was second i couldn't even tell you because i don't hear the music i just kind of that song gets me in the mode and then i'll write for an hour hour and a half try to get a thousand words in um which most days is really easy to do uh because i kind of you're almost sleeping on what you where you're going next. I, but part part of my routine at night is I try to quickly just on my phone even just look at my notes from the day before that day, and think about them as I'm going to sleep. And it's almost like your brain's just kind of already working in sleep mode. And then you get up and it's kind of just start typing. So I'll do that, and then I try to get out for a bike ride or bike to work. Mm-hmm. Um, do my work, you know, go in and do my day. I usually start around eight and uh, do my day of work and come home and then. Spend time with my family. Um, I, I started say, this. Routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started this routine probably two, two and a half months ago because I was trying to write, 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 and I was trying to do it in the evening. And you know, my dogs need walks. Yes. Wife, you know, I want to spend time with my wife. Yes. I want to spend time yes. with the kids, even though they're in their twenties. But yeah. so yeah. it's like I said, I said, this, I said to Carol, my wife, I said, I, I need to make a change. That I'm going to start doing this, and then it frees the evenings up. You know, because I was getting stressed even at work throughout the day thinking, okay, I got to get home and get some writing done tonight, but we need to run. We need to do the dogs. We need to run some errands and stuff. No one, believe me, no one in my household is up at 430, not even my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a real quiet time. And 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 I've, I've tried to keep that routine even throughout the weekends and stuff. Maybe not getting up at 430, but get up at like six, say, and get the writing done before anyone else gets up. My my wife likes to sleep in on the weekends, so <laughs> it makes it easy for me. But yeah, that's that's kind of the routine. But like you said, there's mornings that the alarm goes off and it's like, uh, no, you're not rolling over. Let's go. You know, you kind of you kind of just got got to just you know talk yourself into it. And it's it's only happened a few times, but it's one of those things where it's like, no, let's go. We got to get down there. And you just it's funny. It's like when I used to go to the gym and stuff and lift weights. The mm-hmm. days I always found the best workouts were the ones that you didn't want to go to. 
Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. the days that you want to get to the gym, you might just kind of, you know, you, you do your routine and do your thing. But, um, and I find the same thing with writing the mornings that I don't want to write, I might smash over 2000 words out and go like, wow, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's funny how the mind works sometimes. Right. Broadcasting live across Downpatrick and beyond. You're listening to your local station. This is FM 105. Back with author Stephen Briggs after this one. Very appropriate, I think, on two counts. Reading and Canada. So, it's none other than Canadian, Gordon Lightfoot, and the classic, If You Could Read My Mind. Did not work. No, I think it did. If you've just tuned in, I'm Chris Scott, and you're listening to FM 105 Down Community Radio. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. So, Stephen, your, your first book then, the actual promotion of it, and now you're into the promotion of the second one. You know, how have you gone about that, apart from local community radio stations and so on? How have you taken that out there and getting it out there? Obviously, social media is a big a big thing for everyone, right? So Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. I've started a uh, TikTok. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, for some silly reason i thought it would be a good idea yeah um so i've got some videos on there my kids mock me more than anything else so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 uh they tell me i sound very depressed when i talk on it they tell me that i should do look at the camera instead of at the screen so uh yeah t- take a look at them they're i don't yeah, know they are what they are yeah um what i what i've been doing is i've been releasing um what i, I did was i went around guelph and there's a bunch of landmarks in the book um, like a graveyard, like a, a famous hot dog uh, restaurant kind of thing, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I actually went around and, and took video of them and explained, you know, a little bit of where they are in the book and stuff. So I've been releasing them kind of as the build up to the second one. So little things like that, just little TikTok things. I don't know, but it 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 gets the views. It seems to get people's like I don't know, get some kind of attention. Yeah. And then I usually set it over on the Instagram or whatever as well. Um, and then I have my own website, uh, so stephenwbriggs.com, and okay. I've been putting yeah. blogs on there. Um, my wife, my wife really does a lot of my social media. I do all like I'll set it up, and then she runs with it, kind of thing. So she, she, she. Six months ago, she didn't know how to start a website, and now she's created my website for me. I think it looks great. Uh, mm, so like I said, it. there's a bunch of blogs. Yeah, there's some blogs on there about my biking and a few other things about the books. Um, any updates where if I'm doing book signing, stuff like that. So she she gets all that on there. Um, pretty pretty proud of her for what she's done, really, because neither one of us knew. I would never have known what to do, and I still don't. I just ask her, can you put this on? And a couple mm-hmm. of days later, she gets a, how's this look? It's like, oh, great, perfect, like, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and then obviously, like you said, I've been doing podcasts and radio shows and things like that as well it's just it's it's getting your name out there i've done um done a few book like fairs yeah, so things like that, that in the area it? yeah how, how does that work um i did one the first one i did was back in july and it was at a small little brewery and uh, a publishing company was doing it so i kind of asked even though they're not my publisher i just kind of said could i be in on it and a lot of theirs were horror and um, sci-fi uh, kind of books. So I was really the only thriller book. And I actually sold like I had 
I can't remember how many copies I brought in my first book, but I didn't, I said to my wife going into it, I said, we were setting up and I said, well, if, if we sell five books, I think we're doing pretty good. And we sold out of all my first books and sold over half of my second books. One, like, I had one lady, the, the first lady that came, it was amazing. Like, I, like I said, I didn't know what to expect. The first lady showed up, uh, came, came to my booth kind of thing. And we got talking. I told her about, you know, it was from Northern, a little bit about both books and stuff. She bought three books. I said to my wife, whoa, what, ha- what just happened? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It was like, That's yeah. Great. And then yeah. other people came up, uh, like there was a, there was a lady that does like a little book blog and stuff from Toronto. So she mm-hmm. bought both my books and then she plastered it all over her Instagram for me, you know, and then I met like three or four people from Northern Ireland. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Oh yeah. As soon as I said, as soon as you mentioned, you know, I said like the one, the one lady and her husband, you know, she said to me, so what's your book about, you know, cause people just come up, you hand out business card or whatever. And I said, Oh, I said, it's about this poor little kid from seven, seven year old kid that gets taken out of his house in Northern Ireland. She goes, Northern Ireland. She goes, I'm from London area. And I said, Oh, I said, well, I'm from Portadown. And we got talking and stuff. And she bought two of each book because she wanted to give them to, to, to a family that couldn't make it that day. And stuff. it was a great, it was a great day. I don't like, I, I, I said to my wife afterwards, I said, hopefully we're not spoiled by this being like the good one. And then, doing other ones, you know, but, but yeah, they've all been really good. Um, it's, and, and you get to meet people. Like and I, I'm a bit and, of- and I, I know you are such an easy guy to talk to. <laughs> I know if I met you at a book fair, I'd say an hour and a half later. I'll be, oh, thanks. David. Yeah. And that's, I get that's, that. And that, and, and, yep. and I think from a customer point of view, it's lovely to get person to get talk to the person behind the book. So for so many years, you're never going to meet authors, you know, those guys, you, no matter what level they are in the world, you just would yep. never have that contact. And now you can do that. And that, what a yeah. brilliant idea. Tell me this, what's it like signing your own book? How does it feel? I My signature sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you need to start practicing that. <laughs> oh, I should have started a while ago. Like, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, the first the first lady that bought the three books, I never signed them. I never even thought, right? Yeah. And then my wife said, "She goes, you signed the books." And I said, "No." And I said, "Like, should we go chase her down?" But she'd already kind of left. Mm. Um. So then, right after that, like the next person, I said, well, "Would you like?" And I asked, right? So, would you mind if, like, would you like me to sign your book? And they're going, "Would you?" And I'm going, "You're kidding me, right? Of course I would. This is really cool, right?" So, uh, so then after that, you get into the routine of just asking, do you want the book signed? And, and not one person's going to say no. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the funny thing is my last book of family of memoirs kind of thing, right. Was on a stand. And that's the book that any, any, anything you've seen, anything you've seen online, that book is the one that was the, fo- was used for the photos and it's dog-eared it's beat up a bit right and this lady i said listen i said the only one i got left is my book and she goes oh i'll buy it and i'm going well i'll give it to you for a discount because it's beat up she goes you're kidding me this is your book this is the one you've used for advertising she goes i'll pay double for it you know what i mean she goes like this is yours <laughs> I, so i didn't charge her double but you know mm-hmm. so i made a little note in there saying you know thanks for taking my last copy kind of thing yeah. you know as a joke right and then signed it but yeah like i, I was like I was blown away. I was really humbled um, at the response. I just couldn't believe, like, you know, you get people come by the booth and do the old kick the tire kind of thing. They talk to you for a bit and they go, oh, I'll come back and see you. Yeah. And they pretty much all did. Like, it was funny. There was this one girl, she was with her parents. She was probably about 18. She was going off to university and she came and I had just sold my, 
the final of my first book. So it's kind of hard to sell the second book when you don't have the first one to do either, right? So you're telling people the second book's a standalone book. You don't need to read the first to understand it and stuff, right? So they left. And then all of a sudden, I seen her running back towards the booth. And I'm going like, what's going on, right? And she goes, she comes back. She goes, I, I got to buy a copy. I just can't get it out of my mind. She goes, this, this, is, this is crazy. I just, I need a copy of your book. So she bought a copy and I said, I said, like, do you want to sign? She goes, well, I got to go. I said, let me sign your book for you. Right. So I signed the book and she goes, yeah, I'm heading to university tomorrow, back to university tomorrow. She goes, I, I, I can't wait to read it. She goes, I've already ordered your first one on Amazon. I'm going like, okay. <laughs> like, it's not a yeah, it was, it, it's, yeah. it was really cool. It was, like I said, it was really interesting to stand around. And then like my mom and my mother-in-law showed up and they kind of sat in the back of the booth. Right. And next thing you know, I turn around, my mom's talking to some guy from Northern Ireland. I'm going like, what's going on here? But yeah, it's it's funny how as soon as I as soon as I introduced the book as you know like this kid from Northern Ireland gets yes. pulled yes. to Canada, yeah, and then you get other people going, you know, is there landmarks? So so in the first book, there's the whole bike gang scene that happens in, in Hamilton, and the one lady goes, oh, I just live around the corner from those streets that you mentioned. Mm. So she bought a she bought a book just because she goes like you you're literally talking about my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same as, same as a few other people, like, you know, like they, they saw stuff from Guelph or whatever and they go, oh, yeah, like I got to have that. That's cool. You know, like the one lady said, she goes, I don't like that. She goes, I'll probably never read it. But the fact that you've got Guelph marked in it, she goes, I like that because that's something home for me kind of thing. Right. Wow. What a good idea. Mm. And look at all those cities, villages, oh. and towns all over the world that you got right about and include. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, not, you know, the psyche of that is really interesting. That's a good. I never thought. Yeah, you would never. Well, so would the funny you? thing, the yeah. funny thing is, even the second book, the second book I wrote before any of this Russia-Ukraine stuff, but there's the Russian mob, and then part of it is the Russian mob moves a lot of stuff to Ukraine to sell the weapons and the military stuff. So mm -hmm. you've got that connection in the book that was written long before you know all that started, but now it just seems a lot more real because we're seeing it in news every night. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. It's worked well, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I have to be careful what I write because it was starting to come true. I, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, try one about the uh, British lottery numbers. If you could write one about that. And <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you know, that's that so interesting. So interesting. Actually, I'll do the American lottery numbers because they're always up in the 400 billion oh, number. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't spend that amount of money. So just do the British one for me. But you yeah. know, what a fascinating story. Your book mm. sales, uh, I'm not asking specific sales, but. You're, you're probably pulling in reviews now. Where in the world have you, you know, is there any crazy place in the world you didn't expect? Or are they centralized more in America? Is it Canada? Is it this side? Um, the reviews have been kind of all over. But the funny thing is the website, right? So on my website, it kind of gives you a breakdown of where yes. where you're being viewed. Yes. Um, Congo, China. I'm, I'm a big hit in China, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Taiwan, yeah. Australia. Like, it's funny how you, you start seeing all these countries pop. I honestly thought that my website would be hit by, you know, Canada, yeah. States, and, yeah, and yeah. Great Britain. Yeah. And it's, it's I've got, like, I've got Argentina. I've got Congo. I've got uh, a few European countries. China, Taiwan, Japan. It's weird. It's just, it's funny how you start seeing this. You're going, like, Oh, like, you know, it, it once again, it's one of those things where like, wow, it's like there's people all over the world looking at my website that, yeah. you know, so it, like I said, it, it's this isn't something I ever thought like like we talked about in the first the first time yeah. where yeah. 
you know, came from the concussion and stuff. That's right. But for it to be here now, it's pretty cool. And like the third book on its way and, and you know, the second book being released tomorrow and yeah, I will be in blast. <laughs> that, 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 that's fascinating. Well, just, mm -hmm. so, just to conclude then, um, the second book is called Lies Lead to Death. Yep. It's been released tomorrow. And for anyone out there interested in, in getting a copy, how do they, how do, they do that, Stephen? Um, obviously, Amazon's probably the biggest, the biggest bookseller in, in Great Britain. Um, so it is around the world. Uh, it's also available. Like, if, if you, like, I'm not sure what your big uh, book books are, the bookstores are over there, but anything online is, it, is where it's available. Yes. Um, it's a little late now for the discount code, but there was a discount code if you bought through the publisher, Black Rose Writing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm going to start selling author copies, uh, maybe like into the fall. I'm going to look at doing something on, on my website for selling signed copies uh, as well. But right now, the best place to get it is, is Amazon. What that's is it? Amazonuk.co, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's it. That's brilliant. Well, Stephen, can I wish you all the best with book two? And I, uh, I sincerely hope to hear from you again. Uh, well, we're going to do it book again for book three. three. Maybe <laughs> before that, we'll, we'll get a chat. You're just the sort of guy I love chatting to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Stephen. You're welcome. You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. So a big thank you to Stephen Briggs for joining me on the show tonight uh, to talk about the release of his latest book, Lies Lead to Death. And that will be released tomorrow, tomorrow being the 18th of August, 2022. Stephen, I'm looking forward to chatting with you in the future again, and good luck with the new book. So that's almost it from me this week again, folks. I'm handing you over to the very talented Castle Welland studio players, and they're going to episode four of Ice Cubes and Lettuce, written by Marcus Sante and performed by the players. So much local talent, so do stay tuned and listen in. So until next week, stay safe, stay tuned to FM 105, Down Community Radio, and from me, Chris Scott, good night, folks. Ice Cubes and Lettuce, a comedy of grand proportions and even grander portions. Written by Marco Santi and performed by Castle Wayne Studio Players. Episode 4. It's the Pot Noodle or Me. Hello there. I get to kick off an episode today. Makes a nice change really, being in control for once. Not being told what to do. Being a leader and not... Anyway, I was just about to tell Wayne about a freaky occurrence that happened to me and Selena a while back. Wayne looked pretty excited, but it really isn't that exciting a story. But I shall put him out of his misery, nonetheless. So as I was saying, Wayne, Selena and I were out for dinner one night, right? We came home around 11 o'clock, had a cup of tea, a few biggies. I sat down by the phone and hit the play button on the answering machine. Answering machine? Jeepers, what year was it? Ha ha. It was roughly 2004. 2004? You probably had her back then, did you? Doubt it. Anyway, first couple of messages were from my mum. I remember because she was going on holiday to Jamaica and Hurricane Ivan had just hit. She was constantly giving us news reports on it. The third message was some nonsense, double glazing cells or something. But the fourth message... Man, proper freaked us out. This guy, really deep voice. I swear he sounded like a demon from Poltergeist. Nah, that is not scary. 
you want to watch one of them insidious films for scary. Yeah, well, coming home in the middle of the night to a freaky voicemail is scary enough, I can tell you. Did he speak then? Oh, yeah. Don't remember exactly what it was. Something like, I've been watching you two, watching you all night and waiting for you to come home. Now that you're back, when I knock three times, let me in. Oh, what the actual... No, wait, wait. There was more. What was it again? Uh, oh, flip. Something like, um, make sure you get changed into something comfy, because tonight is your night. We're going to have some fun, the three of us. See you soon. Then it was just heavy breathing for a few seconds, and then he hung up. No way. Did you call the police? We didn't. Probably at the time we figured, what could they do about a random voicemail? It's not like he even mentioned our names. True, but no offence if it was me. I would have called Kojak, Colombo and the A-Team. Did you stay in the house? Believe it or not, we did. Didn't sleep the whole night. But of course, nothing happened to us. Little sleep deprivation and a dead arm from sitting there with a baseball bat all night. But other than that, clearly just a prank that worked. Nope, not me. I would have stayed in the house. I'd have fled to California or somewhere and stayed in a hotel for at least a month. Meanwhile at Lorna's, she is preparing to go to the weekly weigh-in at Weightbusters. The delightful Billy Bob is sat on his lazy boy, playing on a games console, talking into his headset. Billy, I'm going to be heading off soon. Is there anything you need? You can't eliminate the warlock without using the proton blazer. I done told you that. Now move to your left. Move to your left now. Now, now. Billy. Billy Bob. What? I said I'm heading out. Do you need anything? Yeah, just uh, leave me 20 pounds on the counter. I'll get a pizza a little bit later on. I made some chili you can have. Chili? Yeah, and rice. Is it that weight bandit nonsense? It's called Weight Busters, and yeah, it is. Nah, you can forget it. That stuff tastes like a donkey's behind. You eat a lot of them, do you? What was that? Shoot yourself. I'll put 20 on the counter. Before you go, uh, will you show me how to work that damn food app thingamajig? You mean, just eat? How many times do you need to be shown? It's really not difficult. Ah, you know, I can't be doing with them apps and stuff. A phone is for making phone calls, not sending text messages or FaceTiming your fat club friends. And as for that chat, snap, witchcraft, don't even get me started. Right, but it's okay to use an app to order yourself some food. Well, a man's gotta eat. Well, seeing as you're so keen on phone calls, why don't you make a phone call to order? I hope you don't choke. Cheerio. Good on you, Lorna. Good on you. And with that, she turned on her heels and left. By the time she got to weigh in, most of us were already there. The usual congregation of bodies milling around a typical hall, much gossiping and whispering. The usual sight that is seen at a Friday night weigh-in. The two queues are handing out leaflets, which read, Loveliest party, Q's house, Thursday 23rd of April, 7pm. Be there or forever have the FOMO. Anyway, 
the sounds that filter through the air are almost harmonious. This human orchestra and weigh-in supervisor is conducted by Jennifer, one of those women who pride themselves on being involved in everything and anything to feel popular. This place is ideal for her. It's like a conference for the good, the bad and the nosy. So, in the good corner, we have Marie McConnell, lovely lady, a slim, committed and eager woman who wouldn't say boo to a goose and always smelling lovely too. Evening, Mary. How do you think you did this week? Fabulous. I was really dedicated this week, Jennifer. I even managed to save six of my Weightbuster bonuses. That's great, Mary. Just remember you can only carry them over for a week. Oh, I know. Tomorrow we're going out for dinner, so I'm going to use my bonus on a dessert. Yum yum. And why not? Okay, up on the scales then. Brilliant! You've shed another half a stone. That's excellent. Brilliant. Oh, I'm so pleased. I've literally had cracker bread and bamboo shoots all week. Mary, you got this. At Wit Busters, we bust wit. See you next week. There she goes. Happy with her result as always. Now to the bad corner. I should point out that by bad, I don't mean like naughty. I just mean like not as good as good. And besides, it's big Keith weighing in and he's just adorable. Evening, Keith. How do you think you did this week? Not so good. Really? Why? Because even though I follow recipes to a tea, my cooking skills are rubbish, which means the meal may look nice, but it always tastes like what I assume cat sick tastes like. I see. Oh dear. Yes, so after day three of trying, I just throw the head up and order a pizza. Well, hop on the scales and let's see. You never know. Keith does exactly that. Well, he doesn't hop, more like clambers onto the scales. The numbers reach the £300 straight away. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes, Keith. I just need to get another scale. Did I break this one? No, no. Just need one for each foot. Dear Keith. And lastly, in the nosy corner, a member named Karen is about to get weighed. Unfortunately for her, the two cues are next and are hovering closely to see what she weighs in at because those two are the nosiest people ever to walk the earth. Evening, Karen. How do you think you did this week? To be honest, it's hard to say. On Monday, I was eating all around me, and then from Tuesday on, I was just on the ship. So, I'm hoping I've lost something decent. Well, up on the scales then. Okay, that's good. You've lost half a pound. Congratulations. Congratulations? Anwa, I've spent all bloody week drinking nothing but homemade soup just to lose some weight. And it was rotten too. Tasted like watered down food colouring. But you did lose half a pound, Karen. At least you've not put any on. Half a pound? Is that it? 
I've probably had wind that weighs more than that. Forever the lady, aren't you, Karen? What? Why? Because I sometimes have wind? And I suppose that ye don't have any wind, do ye? Oh, he does. He just doesn't brag about it in public. Aye, you. You stand there wafting the smell away for him. No, he does not. But I do have canisters of body spray around the place, just in case. Can't stand bad smells. Well, I can believe that. Flippin' half a pound. Frig this. I'm off for a burger. And with that, Karen leaves, presumably hungry and most disgruntled. Touchy. Anyway, never mind her. Our turn. The cues float themselves onto the scales, where their reading shows minus four points. Each. Naturally, they high-five each other and sing and dance around the hall. My reading says minus two points. I'm happy enough with that. Megan's reading is minus three. She punches the air in sheer delight and is giving hugs and kisses to Jennifer. Her behaviour was a tad over the top, very similar to how one would behave if they found out they won the lotto. Anyway, after the weigh-in, it's customary to have our wee discussion time. Jennifer sits up at the front like a vice-principal, and we sit in rows like it's assembly. Dermot Cabroni starts things off this evening. I find that quavers are a great big grab snack. So when I realised there was a new flavour, I bought 12 of them in one go. But I was sick of eating them after I'd four. Yes, Dermot, it can get a bit like that. That's why they say variety is the spice of life, right? Okay, who wants to go next? Oh, I'll go. And right on cue, Karen comes sauntering back into the group, presumably having scoffed her burger, and plonks herself in a chair. So my latest escapade is dedicated to Quentin and Quincy, because I know how much you two love a good story. It might seem a wee bit icky, but it's not like we all don't think it, so we'll share it anyway. Last Friday, all day I was being good and I was definitely being conscious of not to eat anything before the session. I was really hoping I could, you know, shed a few pounds the natural way, but nothing was shifting. Typically, as soon as I got in from group, that's when my insides decide to go to work. I was like, hello, bowels. I could have done with the extra help before I got on the scales. Ha <laughs> 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 lovely. Ah, the wonders of nature. Okay, who's next? I have a question more than a story. That's fine, Megan. So, I'm getting married in 27 weeks and 6 days. Never would have known. And... I just can't seem to shift the access weight from my hips. It can be tricky, those last few pounds. I mean, if you guys are anything like me, you spend an extra 15 minutes in the morning getting dressed just to figure out which clothing weighs less. I know. I'm probably being silly, but I just want everything to fit into place. I see myself and my wedding as a sort of game show fusion I'm on a countdown. My bridesmaids are like the chaser, but my hips are the weakest link. You forgot. Who wants to be a millionaire? The price is right and family fortunes, love. Oh, shut up, you. 
Jennifer, I just want a few tips on how to shift the excess weight. Why do you keep calling it excess weight? It's excess weight. Excess. And what's the difference, Selena? Access is to allow entry to something. Excess is having too much of something you don't. Well, you have lost another two pounds since last week. In fact, you're losing gradually every week, which is the way to go. Steadily but surely. Because here at Weight Busters, we... Bust Weight! And so, just as one must start one must also conclude. Technically, I don't have to end this episode seeing the Selena's lying right next to me, flicking through a magazine. But I may as well take advantage of it whilst I quietly enjoy a pot noodle. Tony? Yep. What number do we live at? What? Number. What door number do we live at? What are you on about? Just answer the question. 24. Well, Could you eat that a little bit louder? Because they can't hear you at number eight. Ow! Muppet. I would need one of those around Megan. She can't stand them. Says she'd rather go without makeup than eat one of them. She'd save a whole lot of money on cleanser then, wouldn't she? She'd scream, It's that pot noodle or me! Who eats a pot noodle in bed anyway? Well, clearly, I do, Selina. But it's finished now, dearest. And besides... I don't care what your sister thinks. She's no respect for the finer things in food. She told me once that she eats pizza with no cheese or tomato base. What? That's like making a Jurassic Park movie without the dinosaurs. Yeah, bit weird, my sister. She claims the tomato base is too spicy. She'll claim avocado is too spicy, I bet. Well, that's high in fat, so she's probably scoffing that down by the bucketful at the moment. I don't get it. So you can eat fatty foods, but not bread. Carbs, love. Carbs. You're all bonkers. Especially her. I'm going to sleep. Good night, you moron. No, no, you half-wit. Actually, now you mention it, she might have a thing about tomatoes. Last week, she ordered a BLT without the bread, but when he came, she just ate the lettuce. And she's got the cheek to take umbrage out of a pot noodle. Told you, she's bonkers. Do, ba-do, 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 ba-do.